All right, tonight we're going to continue our study in the Gospel according to John. Uh, Last week I taught a few examples of our Lord's healing as found in the four Gospels. Then when the clock told 7.45, we were about to begin John 5.18-24. through So I'm going to do just a little bit of review and then we'll begin new material at point 7 below. But first, let's use 1 John 1, 9 as may or may not be necessary. <clears throat> Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study Your Word. Guide us now and direct us In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, the Bible teaches that human beings may look to God for direct healing, as we saw. Direct healing, of course, is uh, something that God approves of because He does it. And you don't get healed unless God says to heal, whether you use a doctor or not. So, uh, divine healing, though, is a subject over many differences of opinion, and we covered most of those. Some of the healings recorded in the Bible were with means, as we saw with Hezekiah. And, uh, of course, uh, we also saw in the case of Timothy how music uh, was helpful in the case of old Saul. And uh, wine in the case of Timothy. And in the case of Saul, of course, it was uh, handling an evil spirit that had been imposed upon him by God. So we look at some very unusual situations there. So certainly the Bible is not opposed to the use of means for healing since Christ Himself considered it normal for people to go to a doctor, Matthew 9, 12. We notice some causes of sickness, suffering in general is a consequence of the curse that came upon man after the fall in the garden. And there are many cases where there Sickness is caused by man's ignorance or his carelessness as in the spread of venereal disease, chronic illnesses resulting from alcoholism, AIDS, etc. And then we noted how King Uzziah got in trouble for trying to do a priest's work uh, documented in Second Chronicles 26 verses 6 through 19. And because sickness was not part of the original creation but a later product of disobedience, Jesus healed many sick to document the coming kingdom and to fulfill prophecy. Uh, And that was, of course, uh, true of the apostles also. So, uh, in the, the healings, the Lord demonstrated and proved that He was the Son of God. Now let's see what we can do here with John 5, 18, reading through verse 24. Uh, I think probably we would be better Better just to read the NIV version, uh, and I'll do that. John 5.18, For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, make himself e- making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him 
all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Then in John 5.23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And you can imagine what this did to those who were listening, particularly, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the scribes, etc. They uh, wondered, what's this guy doing? He's indicating he's just like the Father. That he and the Father are the same. And that, that is quite blasphemous to them, you know. And uh, it's uh, gave us opportunity to review the doctrine of the essence of God. So here we go. The doctrine of the essence of God. Alright, God is one in essence. That is to say, the divine essences are resident in each member of the Godhead. The Godhead, of course, being the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there are three personalities, but one in essence. Such essences are shared equally since the creation of the world. Way back yonder, when, in other words. God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Uh, notice Colossians 2.9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see that in the first three verses of the book of John which we studied and exegeted. Uh, of course, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning of God, and God was the Word, and the Word was God. Nothing was made that was made, except it was made by Him. So, it's, uh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, uh, we studied that when we began this study a long time ago. Alright, Colossians 2, 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Notice Isaiah 48, 16. Come near me and listen to this. This is our Lord Jesus talking as Isaiah recorded what the Holy Spirit had inspired him to write. From this first announcement, I have not spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I am there. And now the Sovereign Lord has sent me with His Spirit. So if you read verse 16 and 17 together, you get, certainly get the idea that the Father came up with the plan. Uh, the Son agreed to execute the plan. And the Spirit agreed to uh, reveal the plan. And I like the way the Colonel handled, handled that by putting a term on it, the Eternal Life Conference or the minutes of the eternal life conference, are found in 16 and 17 of Isaiah 48. All right, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And of course we studied that baptism, didn't we? And we also studied in John how the Holy Spirit had told him, When you find the Christ, here is what's going to happen. You will hear a voice from heaven. And uh, you will also see it, Spirit of God come like as a dove. So he knew exactly what he had done when he baptized Jesus. But it was obvious he didn't know who was the Messiah. So in order to give him a sign that he got the Messiah, he has baptized him. This is him. He was told what to look for when he baptized him. So I just uh, like to think of that as, you know, as he baptized various people, uh-uh, that ain't him, you know. Uh-uh, that ain't him either. But when it did happen, he knew. In other words, it's him, it's him, you know, he screamed, I'm sure. And uh, some people, uh, of course, uh, were amazed and others thought, he's crazy. But let's go on. Alright, the one Godhead, as can be seen from the above cited verses, is made up of three personalities or manifestations. Again, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The personalities of the Trinity are closely related. Just as there is one egg, there is also the yolk, the white, and the shell, yet it is one egg. Most of us heard that in Bible school, you know. I shouldn't say that, not most of it. I didn't go to Bible school, but the point being, it was used here to explain the Trinity, uh, which is a pretty good analogy for a young mind. All right, John 10.30, I and the Father are one. John 10.38, but if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So again, a reference to what he did in the way of miracles, etc. All right, John seventeen eleven. I will remain. I will remain in the world no longer. Now, John seventeen, John uh, actually verse fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen are all in the same context. He gathers the disciples around him. He says, "Okay, I'm going to talk to you, boys. This ain't going to be easy, and uh, you know, I want you all to listen and pay careful attention." I'm not going to be with you all the time. But uh, he then goes through and explains to them, I'm going to be leaving you, and that, that's good. You know, and they all look and say, that's good. You know, it's kind of like, okay, coach, <laughs> that's good. We have to believe you. But uh, I don't think so. You know, it's not good. You know, we want you to stay with us. But he said, if I don't, then this Holy Spirit won't come to teach you. And they say, you don't, and then he told them, you don't understand this now, but you will someday. You know, so it was a very interesting set of passages in that 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th chapter of John. Notice verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still, as he talked to the Father, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. This is a prayer for us, by the way. Holy Father, protect them by the power of Your name, the name You gave Me, so that they may be one as we are one. In verse 37, 38, and 39 of John, verse 
excuse me, chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Now he meant, here we go, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And this is one of, uh, I think, 11. I can't remember. Go to my doctor of the Holy Spirit and you'll see whether it's 7 or 11. I don't know. Uh, And uh, where, where he specifically says every believer gets the Spirit. And here's one of those many cases. Even though people strive for the Spirit, you know. Meaning the gift of the Holy Spirit and manifested by tongues. Everyone gets it. Uh, so let's go on. We don't want to get into the doctrine of tongues now, but we do have a doctrine called the doctrine of tongues on the internet under Pastor Merritt's study books. Alright, so you can see from these verses the intertwining of the several and collective personalities of the Trinity, how unique they are. Three in one, separate but one. Alright, the essence of God are prevalent in each member of the Trinity. And Colonel R.B. theme has come up with ten, and I'm sure you could come up with more than that, but uh, I think he did a great job here. Here are the ten he came up with. Sovereignty, righteousness, justice, love, eternal life, omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence, immutability, veracity. Uh, and uh, you can see there, of course, all of them are quite obvious. Uh, veracity, of course, means truth. And uh, omni this and omni that means all, you know. Immutability means he doesn't change. He doesn't change unless circumstances change, and then he does the same thing. Meaning, he does what is right. He does what is correct. He has a mind and His mind, of course, has been set forth in the Scripture, but we're going to talk more about that later on. I want to take each and every one of them and speak to each one. For example, let's take sovereignty. God has supreme volition and always has possessed the powerful rulership of all things, and so does Christ and so does the Holy Spirit. Keep that in mind as we look at each one. There is no higher power or higher volition All things are subject to Him. Everything falls under the permissive will of God. That's why we can in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we can in everything give thanks. Alright? All things are working together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And given the context, that's because we prayed and we got a perfect prayer Once again, from the Holy Spirit, Christ took it to the Father, and the Father implemented a perfect plan. So you can use, again, Romans 8, 28. 26, 27, and 28 need to be considered together as part part of the prayer formula. All right. So God desires the best for us, but because of our volition and imperfect choices, He provides less than the best, but perfect. God is sovereign. 
And there will come a time at the second advent when the Father will say to the Son, Now is your time. Implement Operation Footstool. Until then, however, the Lord lasts from heaven and how serious man's considers, man considers him and herself. Notice Psalm chapter 2 verse 1 beginning. Verse 1, we'll read through verse 4. Why do the nations conspire? This is good to read nowadays where we've got so many things going crazy in our world and in our country. But why do the nations conspire and the people's pot and plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. One enthroned in heaven laughs. That tells us God has a sense of humor. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. So though we see today, you know, all the leaders of the world conspiring against Christ, making fun of the Lord, and yet uh, He laughs in derision at them. Or Psalm 100 verse 3, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us. And we are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. He is sovereign. Or Psalm 104, starting in verse 17, and we will read all the way through verse 35. There are birds, make there the birds, talking about up in the mountain areas, make their nests and in the trees. The stark has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the conies, and a cony is an animal or a bird that seeks shelter. The moon marks off the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Again, the lions roar to, get, to scare the daylights out of their prey to get them moving so they can go chase them and eat them. All right, the sun rises and they steal away. The man goes out of, to his work, to his labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There are the ships that go to and fro and the Leviathan which you farm to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. These are all things that God, not specifically, but like as He told Job when He told him, if you did all these things and you set this all in motion and you fed this and you fed that and you showed this where its food was, etc., etc., then you question me. But otherwise, don't question me. So we might could look at this like that too, couldn't we? These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you, and you renew the face of the earth. 
May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation, excuse me, my my meditation be pleasing to Him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Alright, now let's go to the New Testament in the book of, again, Philippians 2.10. Beginning at 2.10 and reading verse 11, that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All this under the heading of sovereignty. Isaiah 45.23 but myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. Romans 14.11, it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. And then in the Revelation, the Apocalypse as we like to call it, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So let's go to the second of the essences. Righteousness. God is absolute righteousness. You hear people talk about, well, that's a righteous song or that's a righteous thought you had you know well that's righteous all right but god is plus righteous plus righteousness is what he has so his plus righteousness is independent and incomparable the righteousness of god cannot have fellowship with the righteousness of man and since man's righteousness is like filthy rags a problem exists but thankfully god solved that problem that with the gift of eternal life that came by way of Jesus Christ and faith alone in Christ alone Himself. God recognized this problem in eternity past and made provision for the problem again through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 3.22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, again, between Jew or Gentile. We are one in Christ. Or Isaiah 64.6, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shriveled up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. Or Psalm 116, verse 5, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalm 145, 17, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and loving toward all that He has made. And then there's the justice. Justice of God. Another of the twelve essences. Ten essences, excuse me. 
I like to say 12 sometimes because I added a couple, but not tonight. Justice. God is fair and it is impossible for Him to be unfair. The holiness of God is made up of His righteousness plus His justice. What the righteousness of God demands, the justice of God must execute. You can see how the two are related. Again, what the righteousness of God demands, the justice of God must execute. And Christ is the righteous one as we saw. Alright, because of the efficacious sacrifice of Christ on the cross, then God is free to deal with us as family. This because His righteousness was satisfied and therefore His justice must execute again, as we said, what His righteousness demands or His plus righteousness demands. So God is absolutely just. Why? Because there is no iniquity in Him. There are two laws of God which come from His righteousness as relates to the believer's discipline. Firstly, the first law. The law of volitional responsibility. In other words, God permits the natural result of what you do, what you think, what you say, etc. The law of volitional responsibility. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning verse 1. And we shall read through verse 15. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. And then he tells us of a real problem. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. So drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Oh, but we would all listen to that as we do the things we do on planet Earth and not what God would have for us to do, particularly as it relates to the young men. All right, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, reading through verse 7. Now, there's a good one for us today. It's awful easy to reject authority because we don't agree with the authority. It doesn't matter. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right but for those who do wrong. 
Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is why you pay taxes. How appropriate now as we all begin to put together our taxes. In fact, I'm meeting tomorrow. Ray mine. But uh, very difficult. Pay taxes for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And I know it's easy to say, but you don't, you haven't seen the authorities that we got here, Lord. I know you must have missed that part of it. But think about what he was writing at the time and who was around. Remember my lesson? And uh, the uh, the crown, when Israel became the crown of a jewel in the crown of Rome, wasn't a good place to be, and they weren't good authorities, not at all. So we have to keep that in mind as we find ourselves amidst what we find ourselves amidst today. Our Hebrew, I'm sorry, Hebrews, Hosea eight seven, for they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk, the bud shall yield no meal, if so be it yield the strangers, the stranger, if it does, the stranger shall swallow it up. Our Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now let's look at the other, divine corrective action. God corrects to improve. Alright, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, uh, these have come so that your faith, uh, lost my place here for a minute, law of divine corrected action, God corrects to improve, and this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer griefs and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, a greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. All right, Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. But if we, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. As it says, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned by the word, the world, excuse me. All right. Notice Romans 5, 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. Although he was a son, says Hebrews 5, 8. This is always a very, very interesting verse to me. Although he was a son, yet 
He learned obedience from what he suffered. And of course, what did he learn? Christ learned. That immediately causes a question. What did he learn? Learned obedience from what he suffered. So that brings up in a completely different thought and a completely avenue from where we would could pursue. But it's hard for a lot of people to believe that Christ had to learn. But he did have to learn. He didn't know everything when he came into the world. And he had to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. So it's not easy. If Christ had to learn obedience by suffering, then we have to learn obedience by suffering. So though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by what he suffered. Alright, the justice of God works with the unbeliever in order to provide maximum environment, pressure, and or reward to facilitate faith in Christ. The Scriptures make clear mankind is without excuse. It can never then be said that God is not just and righteous. So we have those two laws, the law of volitional responsibility. God permits natural results of sin. And then we have, of course, as we have seen, just seen, that uh, there is a another law, the law of divine corrective action. God corrects to improve. So let's kind of summarize it up here with several verses. Alright, the justice of God works with the unbeliever in order to provide maximum environment, pressure, and or reward to facilitate faith in Christ. That's for the unbeliever. The Scriptures make clear mankind is without excuse. It can never then be said that God is not, as we said, just and righteous. Notice 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A change of mind. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall ultimately pass away with the great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Alright, now notice Titus 2.11 with reference to what God does. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Men are without excuse. John 1.9 says that also. That was the true light, Christ, John the Baptist speaking, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And then Romans 1.28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to those things which are convenient all of these indicating man is without excuse by the way notice when they knew him they will vomit him out not that they never knew but that they knew and they didn't accept Romans 2 1 therefore thou art inexcusable O man whosoever thou art that judgest for wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest just the same things. In Psalm 89, verse 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Or Acts 3.14, You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. <coughs> Excuse me. And what is worse, worse, 
the Jews when they said, Give us to Christ. Crucify Him. And they said, We'll take responsibility for that. And our children will take responsibility for that. And God knows we've seen that happen. Happen. How the Israel has suffered and suffered and suffered because they wanted the Christ crucified. And they shouted it out. We'll take responsibility for that. Alright, let's go with Revelation 15.3. And the angels sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds. Lord God Almighty, just and truth are your ways. King of the ages. And then there's love. We studied the doctrine of love before. The Scriptures tell us that God is love, and yet the Scriptures indicate there are two kinds of love. We actually have a doctrine of love, and we talk about agape, and we talk about phileo, etc., and how the two are different. And uh, that's probably a good place to stop right here. Uh, a little short tonight, but then again, because I started it a little late. It's not your fault. My fault. Uh, but uh, we didn't waste our time. We prayed. Sometimes we think maybe, well, is that really valuable? Because of this or because of that, you just have to realize it is so valuable. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. A whole bunch. So let us be righteous. Let us take in the Word, become part of the pivot, grow in His grace, and thus maybe we can be part of the, that which saves our nation. Alright, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and study Your Word. We are especially grateful that we are members of God's forever family because at some point in time we were graced out and the Holy Spirit told us what we need to do. And we said, I don't understand. The Holy Spirit will say, yes, you do because I'm going to show you. And the Holy Spirit showed us the way, the truth, and the life. And we realize that no man cometh unto the Father except by Christ. And so, Father, I would ask at this point in time that you would just bestow upon this country a desire for the Word, a desire to know Christ and then to grow in His grace through the intake of the Word. Bless our leadership. We know you can change people or you can make people who don't need changing more productive. I mean, all sorts of variables. We certainly don't know about it. You do. So we're just going to leave it in your hands and ask for your strength to help us to be joyful and happy and share the happiness of, quote, God, you. Because you told us to. We even have a doctrine of happiness, Father. It's right there under Pastor Mary's study books. May not be all it should be, but it's something to get us to think. For I ask these things, and do ask that you would take that which I have presented tonight and make it real 
in order that we might become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen.